is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to episode 187. Sometimes I look at a piece and I say, yes, I know exactly what hardware I want for that. Like I have a vision immediately. And sometimes I have to get the color on and I have to look at it a little bit, look at it some more. And then um, sometimes I just have to go with something when I still am not sure. So I don't know if it's like this for every furniture artist. Sometimes it's, I know exactly what I want to do. And other times it, it can be a struggle. <laughs> Choosing your hardware is the topic of discussion today among our July Zebra Review winners. We also, of course, discuss how they achieve their winning results in our themed contest of clean and classic. We hear from Susan with Little Lou Designs and Elisa with Homegrown Furniture Design. Tristan with Betty Mako shares a tip on refreshing up old hardware. This week's question of the week, what do you use to strip your furniture, is answered by our furniture refinishing friends Kristen with Kristen Leah Restoration, Caitlin with Lake Simcoe Furniture Revival, Deborah with Retro InDesign, and Stephanie with Refresh by Staff. On the beginner's bucket, Yachty with Lily Moon Vintage and Lily Moon Paint answers this week's question. If you are inspired by another refinisher and you create the exact same piece, is that plagiarism? Meg with Lovely Jubbly Furniture gives accolades to Shannon with Flipped and Chipco. Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. When you think of furniture refinishing, you often think of the multiple styles that refinishers produce with their pieces. Some gravitate to a specific signature style, and many enjoy trying multiple designs from the distressed look to MCM, but one style that seems to be an industry standard is a clean and classic. It's timeless in many respects and requires a certain degree of perfection in creating a simple, refined, and clean look. Today, we will discuss three clean and classic pieces that were chosen from our July contest from the Zebra Review. First place went to Anna with Raven Street market. Second place was Elisa with Home Grow Furniture Design. And third place was awarded to Susan with Little Lou Designs. Lovely work, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Unfortunately, Anna was not able to make it on the podcast today, but we will describe her piece for you shortly. So today on the show, man, we are covering Texas, Massachusetts, and I'm here in North Carolina. Anyone having great weather that you want to brag on? Well, it's just a little cooler here because we're having like a rain front coming through. So I'll take 10 degrees cooler this time of year in Texas any day. Okay, so 10 degrees cooler. So what is the temperature at that 10 degrees cooler? Oh, it's like 90, 95. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels cool. I never thought I would ever hear myself say, oh, it feels cool at 90 degrees. So <laughs> New Yorker to Texan. <laughs> well, hopefully the humidity is low because if you've got 90 degree weather and high humidity, that's like... That equates to miserableness. <laughs> well, in East Texas, it's always humid, so yeah. it's there still. <laughs> well, you're an optimist, and you're very positive, so that's that's very good. I'm glad you're yeah. enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Susan, are we seeing any hints of fall weather up there in Massachusetts? Last week, yes. Today, not so much. It's 84 degrees, but it's beautiful. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. It's nice. We know it's coming. We were up in New Hampshire last weekend, and i um, starting to see some leaves change color. So it's on its way. Actually, uh, I always talk about August being so hot here in the South, but um, I would have to say July so far has been hotter than August. We've actually been more in the 80s, and we actually had some 70s not too long ago. So it's actually been wow. pretty good. Today is sort of a cloudy, maybe rainy. It's not raining right now, but maybe we'll get a little bit of rain. So... Well, I know so much is constantly changing in our world with now sort of an economic downturn. And, um, you know, we just went through the pandemic. So my question to both of you is, how is business uh, for you guys? Are you um, still doing okay? Or are you seeing any kind of a downturn? Um, my my business is really more of a hobby, I guess. So I go at a very slow pace that works with myself and my family. Um, but as far as when I'm finished an item, uh, a dress or piece of furniture, whatever, it has been selling really quickly. So I haven't noticed it slowing down at all in the past many months or even year. But I'm a pretty, I work pretty slowly anyway. So I don't produce a lot of inventory that needs to go quickly. But I have not noticed that at all, which is wonderful. <laughs> Oh, that's good. What about you, Elisa? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I work slowly. I homeschool um, my four kiddos at home. So it's it's much more of a hobby thing for me. So I don't push out a lot of pieces. But in the past year, I focused mostly on um, 
custom work through clients um, until just this past summer, I decided to take a little break and I've just been creating, you know, doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had, you know, a piece that sat for maybe like two or three weeks, but I don't know in the furniture world, is that considered long or is that short? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, but I just, you know, did a piece and it sold within four hours. So I think it's, for me, I think that's, you know, if it was sitting for a month or longer, that would be, you know, a longer time for me, but I haven't had that as well. That's so good to hear. Well, what about, um, you know, certain times of the year, certain conditions uh, like the pandemic and have you faced any new challenges uh, with respect to refinishing? And and really that's a pretty broad based question, right? So that, that includes harder to find pieces. Are the pieces more expensive to find? Are you able to, or have you adjusted your prices? So um, anything different this year than that you see that uh, you haven't experienced in the past? I haven't. I've still had a lot of luck finding pieces over the past two years. Too many sometimes. <laughs> so I'm getting a stockpile, which I'm trying to minimize. I'm trying to reduce and finish them rather than get new ones. But I've heard a lot of furniture refinishers saying that they've noticed the prices on Marketplace are really increasing on older furniture. I, I can't say that I've noticed that, but I know a lot of other people have. As far as getting supplies, it might have taken a bit longer for paint and different products to come in the mail. But other than that, I, don't, I wasn't really affected negatively mm. by the economic you know, downturn and the pandemic. How about you, Elisa? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I've mostly focused on um, client pieces. So I really haven't, you know, been trying to, you know, find pieces. And I just find people are very generous. Like a lot of times if I'm doing a piece for a client, they'll say, hey, I have this piece that I don't want anymore. Do you just want it? And um, so I've been very blessed in that way. Um, But Susan, I was just going to say the one thing I have noticed is things are starting to take, you know, a little bit longer to um, like process orders and then uh, ship. But I would say that's probably the biggest, you know, difference that I found as well. Mm-hmm. So to both of you, uh, when you, you're talking about processing orders, you're talking about purchasing paints and hardware. Yeah. Yes. That's an interesting process because, like, if you think about the fact that, you let's say you just got a piece in, uh, you've got that lag of time between ordering the paint, hardware, uh, and then working on the piece. So um, that can get kind of complex, I suppose, uh, logistically. It can. I think if someone, if it's a custom piece too, and someone, you know, wants it ASAP. But I mean, each furniture piece takes a fair amount of prep anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it doesn't cause too many problems if you have to wait a while longer for the hardware and the paint, um, because you know, the prep is needed first. Yeah. Uh, but occasionally, I have had to wait a bit longer than I would have liked, and the piece is all prepped and ready to go, and I'm eagerly waiting for the hardware or the paint to come. I just ordered my last piece. I ordered the hardware from Australia. <laughs> and oh, that, wow. And I expected it to take a while to come from there. Um, so I was waiting on that hardware, and the piece was done. But that doesn't typically happen for me. It usually works out a little bit better, but, I mean, it was still fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you find uh, that for the most part you have what you need? Because I assume over time you start, you know, I mean, obviously paint, you're using it. So it's not like you keep stockpiles of paint, but you probably have quite a bit of paint to choose from that's already in stock in your studio, right? Oh, yeah. You just kind of, you read it, stockpiles. And a lot of times you don't use a whole thing of paint. Um, and so you have leftover. And a lot of times what I like to do is mix my paint if I've got, you know, half a container of two different colors that I think will go well together. So that's a good point. I don't know why I've never thought of that because I have, I have a few containers of that are half filled with paint and that wouldn't be enough for, you know, a furniture piece or multiple coats. But I never thought about mixing them. I don't know why oh. I didn't. That's a great idea. <laughs> Maybe we're starting something new here for you, Susan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, are we going to hear in the future about Little Lou Paints? <laughs> <laughs> Custom colors. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Because I, we've had so many conversations with uh, refinishers, and a lot of people do mix, and that uh, that's always an interesting um aspect of the process as I think about it just because of the accuracy because it would seem that you know if you mix something and you really like it 
um, you know, you just got to be really careful to make sure that you're recording what you're doing in that process. Right, measuring so the quantities be, and keeping exactly. it consistent. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we are sorry Anna couldn't make it on for today's podcast recording. However, we wanted to take the time to describe her winning piece for you and encourage you to go check it out on our podcast page or on Anna's IG account. Anna won first place with her MCM updated buffet or possibly entertainment center. She used the color tanned leather by Farmhouse Paint, removed the old legs for some new ones, and added new bronze hardware. This piece is stunning. Incredible job, Anna. Congratulations on winning first. Well, we're we're changing things up a bit on this week's podcast. <laughs> we're going to talk about your pieces. But as we do that, we're going to discuss how each of you choose your hardware, not just for your winning piece, but on all your pieces. We want to find out how you go about making those hardware decisions. And I love getting to know you all. So I'm going to ask, like I did with our June Zebra Review winners, what I call my fun out of nowhere question, meaning the question has nothing to do with refinishing. By the way, each guest will receive a different question. Sorry. That means you can't oh, no. think about what your answer will be ahead of time. That's part of the fun, right? <laughs> All, right. No. All right. Well, Susan, Lisa... are you a planner? Do you like to like <laughs> <a> game planner? <laughs> Me oh, too. I'm getting a little nervous there, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It won't be that stressful. Okay, good. These will be good questions. So you'll you'll enjoy them. So, well, Elisa, we're going to start with you though first, and we're going to talk about the fact that you won second place with, uh, I believe it's the French Provincial. Is am I correct? Yes. Did I define that right? Yeah. Yep. So congratulations. So, um, because a lot of our listeners right now are jogging or working or driving in the car, they're not looking necessarily at your piece. So if you don't mind, tell them uh, it's French Provincial, but tell them what it is, and then just tell us the process you went through to to uh, get it to this beautiful spot. All right. Well, thank you very much. I feel very honored to be here today. And um, so, yeah, I um, love French provincial pieces. And this one um, was a buffet. And I found it on Facebook Marketplace. And it was actually in pretty good shape. I feel like most of the pieces that I find for the price that I want usually have a little bit more um damage to them. So, but this one was actually in really good shape. Um, and so I decided on the color mink by Melange and I love this color so much. Um, it's going to be one of those that I think I use again and again. Um, it's just the prettiest, most elegant brown with like purple warm undertones. So I love that color and I decided I wanted to add something a little um, extra to it. And so I love using paintable wallpaper. It's uh, very easy to apply and um, once it's dry, you can uh, paint over it and it just adds a little you know, something special. And so I did that on the sides and um, then I added wallpaper to the drawers and this kind of leads into the hardware, but um, this hardware on this French um, piece was a little different than most of like that leaf type pull that you'll see. And so I wanted to keep the original hardware. And what's really interesting about this piece, I have never found a check in a piece before. And this check was from 1925. Um, so it was really, really cool. My husband thinks I should take it to, it's a bank in Dallas. <laughs> I don't know if they would really want a check from 19, you know, 25, but um, I couldn't find the date of how old this piece was. Um, so I imagine it was, you know, pretty old to have, you know, something, you know, that old in it. So yeah, so the hardware I wanted to keep, so I had to clean it up really good. And then I spray painted it with um, Rust-Oleum Champagne Gold. Um, That's one of my favorite colors to use if I want a gold element. It's not as like, I guess, harsh as what a a straight up gold would be. Um, It's a little bit softer. It's really pretty. I was just going to add, it almost, it can be almost a silver pewter or gold. It it blends so nicely. It does. And depending what color you have it next to, you're right. It leans either way. Um, it's just yeah. a much softer, you know, metal look to it. So yes. I usually lean towards that, um, that champagne color. I just love it. If I end up keeping the hardware. And did you ever toy with um, changing out the hardware? Yes. So 
If a piece has unique hardware that is usable, I usually try to keep it. Um, but when you get, you know, pieces, you know, that just have like plain old hardware, I always like to add something like interesting or a visual interest to a piece. And so if the hardware is just, you know, plainer or, you know, um, I always think of those, uh, Queen Anne's poles that are on so many pieces. I usually just get rid of those and try something new. I always look at the lines of my piece. If the lines are more square, I'll usually go to like some sharper lines on the hardware. If it's more round of a piece, then I usually try to go with, you know, I just try to follow the lines of the piece. I guess that's how mm -hmm. I usually um, choose my hardware when looking at a piece. Does it come natural for you in the, in the selection of hardware or do you struggle a little bit with it? I, you know, sometimes I look at a piece and I say, yes, I know exactly what hardware I want for that. Like I have a vision immediately. And sometimes I have to get the color on and I have to look at it a little bit, look at it some more. And then um, sometimes I just have to go with something when I still am not sure. So I don't know if it's like this for every furniture artist. Sometimes it's I know exactly what I want to do. And other times it, it can be a struggle. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm looking at this piece. It's a this a traditional French provincial, and the hardware has a lot of motifs in it. It's very yes. fancy, right? And it's so funny because I, I love what you did with the hardware. I think that it's really nice because it toned it down a little bit. It didn't make it harsh. Yeah. And uh, it just blends in well with the color that you chose for the piece itself. But, you know, as I'm sitting here looking at it, I'm thinking, okay, so if you took those off, what would your options be? Like if you said, you know, I absolutely do not want to go with this hardware, what would you use? And, and you know, um, this works great with it. It looks beautiful. You won an award with it. So you made the right choices. <laughs> But I'm just curious in that, you know, sort of thinking through a refinisher's mind and, you know, like, what would you do to this piece if you had taken that hardware off? Would you have gone much simpler? I probably would have. You know, I think, and I, I, this is just my personal opinion, but I always find that French provincial pieces are the hardest to choose hardware for if you're not going to go with the original that was on it because they are, they're way... I think decorative pieces, you know, with the the, the curves and um, the lines like on the bottom and that kind of thing. Um, so I probably would have just gone with like a, a simple pull on there, which sounds funny because the poles that are on there are these beautiful, <laughs> like more yes. decorative. Oh, right. but yeah. I probably would have, yes, I probably would have just gone for more simple. Um, it would have modernized it a little bit more. One thing that I have found when you are planning on painting a piece and you don't like the hardware and you want to change it out, you have a lot more options because with painting, you can fill the, the holes that were there yeah. and then you have any option. You can do anything that you want for drawer pulls. If you're going to be keeping a piece natural wood and staining, you don't have that. At least I don't have that option because I don't want to fill. If you fill holes that aren't going to be covered up, You'll see them, you know, even if you exactly. have to be very talented, I think, to fill a hole in natural wood and not paint over it and not see it. Unless mm -hmm. it's, you know, a very small hole from the hardware and you're putting a bigger piece of hardware on. So that, I think, dictates to mm -hmm. me um, when and if I can change the hardware. If it's a stain, if I'm going to keep the piece stained, and I'm not going to paint it. You have to use the holes that are there. That are there. And if it's a, a pull that, re you know, a, that requires two holes, you're limited and you have to stick with that size mm -hmm. spacing. Mm -hmm. um, does that make sense, Wayne? <laughs> yes, yes. No, that's good. Um, and if it's painted, you can do anything you want because you can just fill and mm -hmm. redrill new holes. Yeah. And so you can go yeah. from one to two or anything. And Susan, I don't know if you've found this, but have you found older pieces have really like awkward center to center differences? Oh, yes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm... I cannot find, you know, holes. So sometimes that determines it too. If I'm leaving, like you said, Susan, a piece um, stained or raw wood, sometimes you end up having to use the same hardware because you can't find something that goes in those holes. <laughs> right. Yep. There's the standard, you know, two, three and a half or three. And, and yes, to find an awkward size, which years ago, I think they had, they, they did, they had different size center to center. Um, yeah bin pulls, cup pulls, drawer pulls, whatever. So it's, mm -hmm. it can be very challenging. It's funny too, because I look at this piece and I'm thinking, you know, if you 
Like the only thing that I can think in here am I, you know, I mean, I talk to so many refinishers, but I don't ref refinish furniture like you guys do. But the only thing that I could think of, like, and just spit you, because know, our discussion here is so much on hardware selection, would be maybe like putting teardrop poles on maybe the doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, with yeah. the doors, with the doors. But outside of that, I guess because I'm seeing this piece as it's sort of sealed and delivered, I can't imagine even changing it up or what you would do separate from what you've already done. But the only other thing I thought of is, you know, a lot of times people will take a piece and really dramatically change the design of it. And so I was sitting here thinking, you know, I guess what would your options be on a French provincial to really change it up? And that would be maybe taking that whole scroll work down at the bottom and maybe uh, cutting that out and replacing that with something more simple um, and maybe filling in those grooves on the drawer with Bondo and then smoothing that out. And then you got a, maybe an opportunity to do something totally different with hardware. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's totally changing the piece. Uh, so that's, that's pretty, that's a lot of dramatic work. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, you like to do that and just, you know, completely change what a piece looks like. Um, I do think, you know, those French provincial pieces because there's the legs are so unique and there's always that like detail at the bottom. Like you'd really have to slice that all off to get a completely different look. That's when you just look for another piece instead entirely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a lot of work. That you, you don't go through the mind work that I just took you guys through. <laughs> 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 Unless it's a customer that has this and said, this is my piece. I can't stand French provincial, right. please change it. <laughs> well, and then I was kind of cringing even as I was saying that because French provincial is such a unique look and it would be, especially, I, and I assume this was in good shape when you got it, right? Yes. I mean, it was, yeah, for the price, you know, I was, I'm usually used to paying, you know, that for pieces that are in, you know, really bad shape, but this one, you know, just had a few scratches on top and I actually was going to try to leave the top raw, but the scratches, you know, were just so deep and I was going to have to use wood filler. And, mm -hmm. um, so I just decided, you know what? And I'm glad I did. I think it looks, I love just the, the clean look of the top being painted on this piece. So glad it, it ended up working that way. So what was the most challenging thing with refinishing this piece? Um, honestly, probably wallpaper because I use not the paintable wallpaper on the outside, but the paper on the inside because I used actual wallpaper that you have to use the paste. With. <laughs> and when you're working with that kind of wallpaper, you have to make sure that you cut it very um, precisely because if you try to cut it when it's wet, it rips and it's not fun. And then you're, you know, trying to move things around and smudge things. So yeah, I just loved this wallpaper and it had that, you know, mink colors in it. And so I mm -hmm. I knew the challenge that was ahead of me uh, when I the wallpaper in those drawers, but I did it anyway, and we got through it, and it still turned out really good. <laughs> well, it paid off. It is really beautiful. Well, you know, hopping back to the hardware. So uh, this was the original hardware, and yeah. so just take us through briefly just the steps that you went through. You said you sprayed it, but I assume you had to go through a cleaning process with uh, hardware. Yes, I always like to boil my hardware um, and I throw some vinegar in there. Um, and then when I come out, I scrub it if there's like a lot of gunk. And, and this hardware did not have a lot of dirt and grime on it. it this piece was really well taken care of over the years. So mm -hmm. um, I just had to, you know, scrub it with a toothbrush and um, it cleaned up really nicely. So once I cleaned it up and um, let it dry, then I just sprayed it with, with the spray paint. Is the Rust-Oleum spray that you use, does that also have like a built-in primer in it? Yes, it's a primer and paint in one, yep. Okay, so that saves some steps. And then did you put any kind of top coat on it after you sprayed it? I always do. Um, I think it might say on there that you don't have to, but I always do. I mean, handles are the most used piece mm -hmm. of a you know furniture piece um so i always clear coat it just one coat or multiple i usually just do one what do you use for clear coat it is uh, i want to say like woodcraft I've, I've had this one so long it has lasted me so long i don't that's what i'm kind of thinking that the brand name is it's not a rust-oleum one but it's just a clear and it's a spray yeah it's a clear satin finish um yeah i'll have to get back to you on that oh, that's okay i just was curious <laughs> yeah okay lisa Here's your fun out of nowhere question. You ready? I'm ready. It's not too gripping. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Here's the question. If you could travel anywhere in the world, 
and you had to stay there for a month, where would it be? Well, my husband studied abroad at Oxford when we were in college, and I've always, you know, we just Skyped a lot back before there was FaceTime, and um, I couldn't really go around with him because we would Skype on our computer, and um, I've always wanted to go and just see everything that he saw and mm. experience what he experienced, so I would go to England and you'd be you'd get to do it for a month, so they'd give you plenty I of time, know. wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'd be going to lots of pubs and. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully one day you guys can do that because I'm sure yes. he would probably enjoy that as well. Yes. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. Hi, my name is Summer Barubi with Pinewood Charm, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I'm a huge fan of zebra brushes. They are definitely my go-to paintbrush for all my painting projects. I love their high quality soft bristles to help me with coverage of paint and lack of brush strokes. If you're using a quality paint, pair it with a quality brush and that would be zebra's brushes. My go-to brush from Zebra would have to be the Palm Pro. I love how it fits comfortably in my hand and I can get into all the tight spaces that come along with furniture. If I'm applying top coats, I prefer to use the two inch angled or the fan brush. And I also use the chiseled wedge on a regular basis to apply my primers because it holds a lot of product and helps you put it on thick to seal in those stains. I would highly recommend you try zebra brushes if you haven't and um, happy painting everyone. Thank you so much Summer for sharing about your experience with zebra paintbrushes. We so value our customer friends. Well, Susan, you are our third place winner, and you took on a very rough Jenny Lynn style dresser to refinish, and I have to say it turned out stunning. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Okay, so describe and tell. It was in rough shape, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I love Jenny Lynn dressers, so whenever I see one, I grab it. I have two um, that I refinished for our house, our spare bedroom here, and then I picked up two additional dressers probably two years ago, they've been sitting in my garage. This was one of them. And I finally decided, okay, time to clean out and get this one going. I was going to do them as a pair um, and then decided you know, change my mind on that because they take a lot of time. And they, especially with the condition that they were in, it required a lot of kind of rebuilding, reshaping the drawers, uh, reinforcing everything. So I said, no, I'll do one at a time. Um, so I started with this one and had to sand it all down, really clean it out. It was filthy. And I was, I made pretty good progress on the dresser. And I had, I think, three of the drawers. I think there were three drawers on it out in my driveway because I was letting it dry in the sun. I was bleaching the drawers a little bit. And um, my husband was outside with me and I left to go run errands. And I came home and there were some wood chips in my driveway and mm. the drawers were gone. <laughs> Uh, and my husband said, I didn't see the drawers and ran over. Oh, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I had spent so much time working on this. I said, you're, you're kidding. No, he wasn't kidding. I said, no, you must be kidding. Please don't be kidding. He's like, I'm sorry. So he had moved that. It was only one drawer that he ran over. He reversed oh, out. And I said, it, it had been in the driveway all day. He's like, I forgot. I'm sorry. No. So... I think I made a few posts. Do I even try to say it was in that one drawer? I was in so many pieces. So I, I was so sad. I said all the time I put into it. So I made a little story and said, do I try or do I give up? And it was like half, half people said, give up. Don't even bother. Others said, no, go for it. So I said, you know, nothing. The worst that can happen is it just it doesn't work and I have to throw away the whole piece. So about a week later, after lots of glue and nails and clamps, <laughs> I had it back and very sturdy and it ended up surviving. And I think that was, I don't know, the middle or bottom drawer. Um, 
and it, it somehow worked. <laughs> and I obviously confessed to the person buying it. I said, just so you know, <laughs> this <laughs> 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 yes. and I said, so I, there should not be a problem with it, but I will, if anything ever happens with this drawer, call me and I will find a way to fix it or make your new one. <laughs> No, oh. it just has lots of character. That's all yeah. right. Yes, it ended yeah. up with a little round corner that wasn't there before, and there's nothing I could do about that. But yes, it gave it character. So, man, you know, I'm looking at this piece, and I'm looking at the wood grain in the front on those front uh, drawers, and so beautiful. You know, there's something about seeing the wood grain, isn't there? There's just so much character. It just kind of takes you back probably to when that piece was first created and formed. And so it's uh, such a beautiful piece. So tell us about the hardware and uh, share a little bit about your process of choosing hardware. So I end up changing out the hardware I'd say on most of my pieces, and I don't know why. I think I just have, you know, when I see a piece, I come up with an idea and I, I don't know. I, I do end up changing out most of the hardware. Um, I have bins and bins and bins of antique brass, mm-hmm. nice hardware that's just sitting in my garage that I haven't used <laughs> because I've removed them. Like, I bet you somebody would really like this. I need to get that out there somehow. You know, it, it just, and I, this word has been overused so much, but I think it's organic. You know, I kind of look at the piece and I just know, or at least I think I know most of the time what it needs, what you know, the style I'm going for, the look, and then find the hardware or already have the hardware in mind. Um, for this piece, I actually was deciding between this hardware and something very similar. It was a cup pull, but it was um, kind of an oil rubbed bronze and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure which way to go. So every now and then if I have a dilemma and I can't decide between the two, I'll just, you know, post it and, and, create a little story and have people help me out and vote. And a hundred percent of the time they make the right choice. And I (laughs) I collected the one and it it looks great, but this hardware um, I actually used, we renovated a house up in New Hampshire and I used those pulls in my kitchen and love them. They're really durable and and nice quality. So I just ordered some extra and put them on this dresser. Do you um, often have multiple hardware pieces and you're like putting it up there and and testing it and walking away from it? No, usually I don't. I typically know right at the beginning what I want to do. Probably I'd say maybe three pieces I've done. This is one of the three that I couldn't decide between two and and it would have both in hand and place it up, hold it on the piece, step back, take a look at it and just see which was more, you know, which looked better, which suited the piece best. So most of the time I know which one I want to keep and I only have one, I buy it and I put it on. But occasionally, like I said, I will purchase two sets, use one and then save the other set for another piece of furniture. Okay. So, so your process is decided on the beginning of the refinishing. Okay. Elisa, do you find that you do a lot of that too? Or are you more like, wait till you get it painted and then you kind of start making your decisions on hardware? Um, No, I usually know. um, Cause I mean, I think, we kind of get in our head like the, the style, like Susan said, that you want to go with. And with that comes, you know, your your hardware options. And, you know, so I usually know at the beginning, um, there's just once in a while, I just, I'm lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not that often, you know, usually right. you have, you know, your idea and you know what you want to do. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I would have thought for most people that the hardware process, uh, selection process would be more toward the, the end of the refinishing uh, phase just because, you know, sometimes things start forming and, you know, it's sort of like a lot of people will say, well, you buy this piece and it's got paint. And when you first see it, you're like, oh, I'm going to paint it. But then you start sanding it and you get down to the wood and you're like, wait a minute, this is really beautiful wood. Um, I'm going to do this with it instead of what I was originally going to do. So that's interesting. Uh, And and that is actually a really good tip, Susan, putting that out there uh, in your stories just to say, hey, like taking a poll, what do you think? Because everybody always talks about this community and how helpful everybody is with, you know, really supporting one another. And so that's a really a great idea as well. Love that. I So I... 99% 99% of the time decide, as we just said in the beginning of when I get the piece, I decide on the hardware and the paint. Um, other, sometimes some other factors that play an important role in choosing your hardware, if you have an older piece of furniture that you just got near restoring it, refurbishing it, a lot of the times they don't have a full set of hardware on there. So there's, so there's yes. your decision's been made for you. You It's hard to find a matching piece on an antique piece of furniture, a ma- matching piece of hardware. So then, you know, right there you have to find some new stuff. Um, and that's happened, that's happened a fair amount of times for me where, you know, they'll have 
four to five knobs are there and one's just missing or one is broken and it cannot be repaired. So, you know, there's your answer right there. Time to search for new hardware. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you look at pieces too and you think, you know, because as, as beautiful as this is and, you know, you look at this and go, okay, well, you made all the right decisions for sure. But then when you were talking about the option of maybe doing a bronze pull, Mm-hmm. I don't think if you stuck a bronze pool on this, it would maybe have a bit of a different look, and it could be just as beautiful, right? Yeah, it definitely did have a different look. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not always that that I mean, sometimes a piece you know be a beautiful piece and and be stunning with multiple different types of hardware on it. I mean, you could switch it out and put a different kind, and you know, you get everybody's preferences, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so, um, but it, you know, this is really beautiful. Obviously, the way you staged it too. Yes, um, both you. of you have done a really good job with your staging. I have a question for you, Susan. Do you always like? Do you lean towards a certain finish of your hardware? like a brass, or do you like the darker bronze? I think lately I've used a lot more brass. I love brass, but I've loved brass for years, um, even when it was not in style. (laughs) So (laughs) I tend to purchase more brass hardware. Um, The piece I did right after this actually had, it wasn't brass, it was a woven um, natural color. So there was, I don't think there's any brass on it. It was more of a woven pole. But yeah, I think I typically, I have to look back at my pictures, too, but I believe I typically do go with a, a satin brass type finish. Well, that's part of your style, right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, that's what's cool. And that's why a lot of times you can see from refinishers, you can, without seeing their their watermark, their logo, yeah. you can say, hey, that's uh, that's Elisa's piece or that's Susan's piece. And so that's part of the that's part of the uniqueness of your artistic abilities, your creativity kind of sh- coming out uh, in the process and uh, people becoming familiar with your work and who you are. So that's that's a that's a good thing. Uh, you know, Susan, I'm not going to ask you what the most challenging aspect of refinishing this piece. I think you shared that with us. Yeah, we know. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you got thrown a curveball on that one, an oh unexpected curveball. So <laughs> and my husband felt so bad. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I, I'm sure he was probably sick about that. But you certainly um, did a good job in making it beautiful. Uh, so that's, that's great. Um, so, Susan, are you ready for your out of nowhere question? I am not. No. <laughs> well, you're honest. Tomorrow I will be ready. Give it to me now. I'll be ready tomorrow. Okay. All right. So, so here it is. If you had to live in another state for a year, minimum, where would it be? Oh boy. We need that. We need the Jeopardy. We need the Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> I've always said I never want to move, for, and I never will. Who knows? But I, I've always said I never want to move from Massachusetts because I really love it here. However, if I had to, oh my! You know, Susan, that's actually why I'm asking this question of you because I've heard you say that before, that. and I'm like, how do I, how do we get her out of Massachusetts? <laughs> Not that we have to, but oh, you know what? All right, just for a year, as long as it wasn't forever, I would say Hawaii. <laughs> Exactly. That's a good choice. <laughs> as long as I could bring my whole family, it would be Hawaii for one yeah. year and then we'd come back. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you could have your whole family there. But uh, it's funny how those little nuances in the question change things up, don't they? From yeah. like going to another state for you know a week or two, but actually living there for a year makes you stop and think. And so, uh, well, you both answered those questions. Well, they weren't too difficult, were they? No. <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm going to throw, this is not really a curveball necessarily, but um, the last couple podcasts we've had have been the discussion of Instagram reels versus stills. And it's interesting talking to people because you get people who are really, they really love the fact that Instagram has reels and they take advantage of them. They've done really well with them. And then you get a lot of folks that uh, like, I just, I don't like all that in my feet. I don't look like all that noise. So my question to to both of you is where do you guys come on the issue of reels versus steals? What, what's your opinion and what's your desire with it? Uh, like if you could, if you could have the, uh, you know, the CEO of Instagram's ear, uh, what would you tell him? Susan, let's start with you. Oh goodness. I enjoy watching people's reels. Um, I don't enjoy making them. I feel like there's too much pressure and this is such a hobby for me. Um, it's not a business. I'm not, you know, I don't expect to have a ton of followers. Um, and so I don't spend the amount of time learn or I should learn, but I, I, it's a lot of pressure for me to 
try to make a reel and make it look good mm -hmm. <laughs> and look somewhat professional. It doesn't come naturally to me. Um, the technology, even though it's simple to the majority of people, it's not to me. So it's a long time working on just one reel and I finish it and then it still doesn't look as mm -hmm. I wanted it to. You know, it always looks very novice in my mind compared to everyone else's. So I don't mind watching them. I don't enjoy making them, but I feel that there's a lot of pressure right now to make the reels. If you um, want to be recognized or seen or yeah. uh, I'm happier with the still shots <laughs> because mm -hmm. that's a lot easier for me to, you know, produce and put out there. Um, but I, I enjoy both watching both. That is. What about you, Elisa? Um, well, I will first say that I kind of started refinishing furniture during the reels age. So like, I don't really know what it was like looking at people's furniture, just still photos all the time. So I guess I'm coming from a position of only what I know. I like, I'm kind of the opposite of Susan. Like I have fun creating reels, but where my frustration lies is the reels that I spend so much time on finding perfect music, editing, perfect. They get like no views. And the ones that I really like throw together in two seconds that I'm actually embarrassed to look back and watch, <laughs> they get like tons of views. And so I guess like that. <laughs> and then trying to figure out why. Yeah. You know, I guess that's where I you know, get frustrated because, you know, there is no rhyme or reason. And I'm such a like calculated, like, or black and white mm -hmm. more person. Like, um, you know, so the, the ambiguity of it is what <laughs> bothers me. <laughs> so, but I, I love yeah. making them. I, you know, I have fun with it. It's another part of the creative process. Um, and I love watching other people's and I really do feel like the tutorials, um, like watching other people, how they do a certain technique or a process that is so valuable to me, especially mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, trying to try something new. Yes, I agree that that I love I like watching yes. them as, as I mentioned, too, because you can learn so much more than a still shot and a written description. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think the challenge in uh, obviously, because we've talked about this on the podcast for the last two podcasts is that you get the mix just like you guys. And um, I think the challenge is that, you know, as a refinisher and speaking strictly of the refinishing industry, there's so much involved in that process of refinishing and there's so much work and that takes a lot of time. And so then when you step into the Instagram world and you start getting involved with reels, that can take a lot of time. There's certainly efficiency levels that you can learn and there's certain apps that you can use that will make that process a little bit more simpler, but it still takes time to learn what those mm -hmm. are, right? And what, what works best and how to simplify the process. I think most people today want simplicity mm -hmm. in life. And I think reels and having the algorithms so focused on reels makes it hard for those people that are just like, look, I understand that's part of what's taking place now. And it's an important element. A lot of people benefit from it. However, that's not for me. And it's like, what happens to those people who say, I'm not a reels mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we're just hoping in the process of these discussions, as we all kind of learn to um, change and go through these, you know, uh, you know, these gyrations that Instagram goes through to changing their algorithms and their emphasis on reels versus stills, that they will make an effort to make sure that stills still <laughs> are, are given. Yeah. And that they're still given. And we've said this before, and, you know, maybe this is something in the process. I don't know that uh, it's been discussed I'm sure it has. I can't imagine it not being, but just if they would create it so that you could choose what's in your mm -hmm. feed, that you could toggle back and forth between stills versus reels. Like if you, look, I just want to see stills right now. I'm going to click on this yeah. and that's all I get is, is still photos in my feed. Uh, you know, it's in, it's in the evening time and I just want to, you know, enjoy some fun reels or I want to learn or whatever, then you click to reels and you, you get, that's all you see in your feed, or maybe it's both, but I think there's solutions. And, you know, so, but the important thing is just that you guys get your voice heard and that we're able to share that and, and uh, hopefully support the community. And, and I think even those people that benefit greatly from reels, the positive thing there is that they don't want to see stills uh, replaced mm -hmm. or they don't want to see those stills go away because right. yeah. it's so important. It's so important. And we've said that too. make sure that if you do reels that you also do stills because the furniture pieces that uh, have been refinished and staged, they're so beautiful. And that's where we really get to enjoy them through those photographs. So 
That's a, an important aspect. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, friends, uh, make sure you go follow these three talented refinishers if you aren't already to help you find them. Here are their accounts. Anna with Raven Street Market, Elisa with Home Grove Furniture Design, and Susan with Little Lou Designs. And of course, these are all Instagram accounts. And I'm sure if you go to their Instagram accounts, if they have other accounts on Facebook, Pinterest, TikTok, those are probably listed uh, on their accounts as well. So, well, we have gained a lot of knowledge uh, and inspiration from you guys today. And so we appreciate you taking the time. And again, just congratulations for, uh, doing great refinishing work and inspiring so many of us. Thank you. Thank you. Today's refinishing tip comes from Tristan with Betty Mako. Hi, it's Tristan from Betty Mako. My tip for this week is for cleaning old hardware. I work on a lot of antique pieces and I like to keep the original hardware as often as I can. The best way I have found to freshen up old brass hardware is by boiling it in a pot with a 50-50 mix of water and white vinegar. I let it boil for anywhere between 10 to 20 minutes and you'll notice it starts to turn almost a copper color. Then you can carefully remove it, let it cool down, and polish with a fine steel wool. If the hardware has been previously painted and I'm trying to remove the paint, I like to use a pot of water with a few scoops of baking soda and let it boil for about 15 minutes. Then you can remove the hardware and scrub with a soft bristle brush and the old paint will usually peel right off. Make sure whichever method you try, you're using an old pot that won't be used for cooking and you're being extra careful not to scratch the hardware. Thanks for having me on to share this tip and I hope you have a good day. Thank you, Tristan. Great insight into bringing old hardware back to life. Today's question of the week is, what do you use to strip your furniture? There are so many products on the marketplace, so how do you know what is best? Well, one way, of course, is trial and error, but another way is to hear what your friends use. Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie from my Instagram, refresh.bysteph. Zebra asked me what my favorite stripper is to use to refinish my furniture, and it definitely has to be the clean strip spray version. You spray it on, and then you use a little brush to take it off in 15 minutes, and it works wonders. That's definitely my favorite. Hi there, this is Kristen from Kristen Leah Restoration. When I'm stripping furniture, I have two different approaches. When I'm stripping the original finish, my absolute go-to is my two and a half inch Baco carbide tip scraper. And when I strip paint, I use Circa 1850's heavy paint and varnish remover. So many thanks to Zebra for including me on this week's show. Hi, it's Caitlin from Lake Simcoe Furniture Revival, and what I use to strip my furniture is Circa 1850 paint and varnish gel remover. Hi, it's Deborah with Retro.InDesign. What I use to strip my furniture depends on the furniture piece. I recommend trying a carbine scraper, available on Amazon, and it's so easy to use. For thick, tough surfaces, I love the Circa 1850 Gel Furniture Stripper. And then for delicate surfaces, I stick to my orbital sander with medium or fine grit paper. Experiment and find what's best for you. Thank you, Kristen, Caitlin, Deborah, and Stephanie for sharing. If you have a question you'd like asked among your refinishing peers, send me an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com. If we answer your question on the podcast, you'll receive a free zebra paintbrush. Welcome to the Beginner's Bucket, a new segment this season that gives new refinishers an opportunity to ask questions from their more experienced refinishing friends. If you have a question that you would like answered, just send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com and we'll ask an experienced refinisher and play the answer here on the podcast. This week's question comes from a friend of the podcast, Rashmi with Restored by Rashmi, and she has a great question. As a beginner, we take so much inspiration from other experienced furniture artists who so generously share information on how they achieve the look. If I happen to create the exact same piece, is that plagiarism? Yachty with Lily Moon Vintage and Lily Moon Paint answers her question. 
That is a great question, Rashmi. And my thoughts on this subject is, you know, absolutely not. I don't think that it is plagiarism. I think it's a huge compliment to the original artist and one of the biggest forms of flattery. And what I will encourage you to do is maybe credit the original artist when you do post your piece on social media um, and mention where that inspiration first came from. And you can do that by tagging them in your photos or your reel or even your Instagram stories. I think that's one of the best ways not only for your following to see where the inspiration came from, but also, like I said, compliment the artist. I personally share what I do because I love it and I love to teach and I love to inspire others. So I love seeing recreations. Thanks, Yadi, for providing guidance on this important question. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newest podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary finishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Meg with Lovely Jubbly Furniture. Hey everybody, I am Meg from Lovely Jubbly Furniture and I am going to give accolades to Shannon from Flipton Chip Co. Shannon is one to be seen and recognized for her amazing creative work. I am so proud of her. She steps out of her comfort zone and creates things that can be intimidating and scary to a lot of people. A lot of creators feel this way as well. But Shannon steps out and she creates really cool creative amazing work and you can see it on her page and she is definitely one to follow i continue to follow shannon because it is so good and nice to see what she's going to come out with next and what her new pieces are going to look like so i am very proud of her thanks meg and accolade shannon This is the last day to enter your piece for the Zebra Review August theme of warm colors, yellows, and or oranges. The entire piece does not have to be in those colors, but they do need to be the predominant colors on your piece. Tag your summer color pieces that will be finished from August 1st through August 31st, 2022 with hashtag the Zebra Review. Make sure you include the at the beginning of the hashtag. Our four judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jenna Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, and Lauren Schwachina of Portland Rose Studio. Our sponsors this month include Lily Moon Paint, The Lawless Hardware, Surf Pup Sanding, and Zipper Paint Brushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing.